Welcome to Passion Life Church. Welcome to Passion Life Church. So glad that you are, are here this morning, and it's going to be a great day. Let me just tell you about what's going to happen today. We're going to have communion. We're going to take communion. So what I'd love for you to do is make sure you get some elements, maybe some bread, Ritz cracker, something, apple juice, something, whatever represents uh, the juice and the bread. love for you to get that. At the end of today's message, we are going to take communion together, but not just together, but I believe that God's going to do something special. He always does something incredibly special during our communion time. I just want to take a moment also before we dive into today's message to remind us and remind especially the dads that next Sunday is Mother's Day. It's going to be an amazing time. We have a surprise for you next Sunday. I can't tell you what it is. Just kind of like when your kids walk up to you and you say, hey, I have a surprise. And they say, tell me what it is. You say, I can't because it's a surprise. But you're going to tune in next week. It's going to be an incredible time for moms. And um, I'm just really excited about next week. So guys, just remember, dads, next Sunday is Mother's Day. Let's make them feel special. And I believe we're going to have a special word for everybody that tunes in next week. So we love you. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to Passion Life. Church this morning. I hope you had a good week, and I just believe today is going to encourage you. You know, we're in this series that we've entitled My Faith, My Future, and this is part three. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking at this series, and as we dive in today, we are looking into the future because God has a future. And faith, that's what really what faith does, is faith always looks forward, right? But here's what we have to understand that we've been saying is that faith starts now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope, when you look at it, hope is defined a positive expectation of good, especially in these times. We've got to have hope. Zechariah in the Old Testament said, I am a prisoner of hope. In other words, this is what he was saying. He was saying, I am a prisoner of a positive expectation. And you know, I think in today's times, we can feel like a prisoner, even in our own home. But here's the truth. We have to, and we get to choose what type of prisoner that we're going to be, because God does have a future. And let me just tell you, the future is coming. Tomorrow is coming, right? If Jesus doesn't come back, the Bible says that we're not supposed to worry about tomorrow, but we can plan for tomorrow. And if he doesn't come back, tomorrow Tomorrow is coming, and God has an incredible future for our lives, but we're going to have to access that future by faith. And today in part three, here's what I want to do. I've entitled today, From Now Till Next. From Now Till Next. So what do we do while we wait in our now till the next, till the future that God has for us, right? And we've been reading and looking at Jeremiah 29, 11, as well as one of our theme scriptures. It's a very popular scripture. But what we're going to do today is we're going to dive deeper into Jeremiah 29, right? Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us this, for I know the thoughts, or one translation says, I know the plans 
that word plan in the Hebrew actually means purposes too. It says God knows the thoughts, that the plans, the purposes that he thinks towards us. So God hasn't forgotten about us. God hasn't forgotten about you. His thoughts are coming towards you. And I believe even this morning as we dive into his word that his thoughts are coming towards you. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, peace, not peace evil to give you a hope and a future. Can I just tell you that word peace in the Hebrew means health, welfare, prosperity, and every type of good. That's what peace means. And he's, these are the thoughts that God are thinking towards you. We've got to get out of our thinking that God is thinking thoughts of evil towards us. He's not thinking thoughts of evil towards us. It says there, not of evil, but to give you a future and a hope. And today I want to talk to us about what do we do when we wait? What do we do from now till next? I was thinking back when I was in my early 20s, right? What life would be like, what my future would be like when I would get older, right? Like in my early 20s, I knew God had a call for my life, but here I am, right? I was in my now in my 20s, but now I'm standing in my next in my late 40s. Hello, and feeling great, doing great, right? But here I am standing in what was my next, right? Then it was my now. But now I'm standing into my next. But in my 20s, thinking about what is life going to be in the future? And I was thinking about how many odd jobs I used to work in my 20s, knowing that God had a purpose for my life, but yet knowing not how that would all unfold. And my wife and I laugh a lot of times because sometimes in a conversation, I'll just bring up one of my odd jobs that I have. And she's like, you had so many odd jobs that you had to work. And let me define odd jobs, right? Odd jobs, and you probably have them, are those jobs that were kind of the in-between jobs where you're like, I don't want to permanently be here. Now, for some of you, you may have started in an odd job and you're like, yeah, this is just kind of a, a go-between, but then God began to promote you. And now, wow, because you made the most out of that season, this is, has become your job. But for me, it wasn't. I remember living in New Jersey in my 20s and uh, <laughs> I worked at Jersey Shore Medical Center. I was a volunteer youth pastor right out of coming out of Bible college. And um, I, I didn't have a paying job in ministry, so I had to find a job. Right, and I was volunteering at our at our church. What was called at that time Overcomers Fellowship in, in in Bricktown, New Jersey, and I got a job at Jersey Shore Medical Center in the transportation department. Now, the transportation department meant that I would take patients from their rooms to their tests. But it also involved uh, one of the jobs that uh, if I probably would have known that I had to do that, I don't know if I would have signed up for it. But one of the jobs that I had to do was I had to take patients once they expired or they died, I had to take them from their room, put a toe tag on them and take them down to the morgue totally dead. It was, oh, it was, it was tough. But what I didn't realize in that odd job is that God was preparing me for ministry. And I was in that, in, in transportation department, taking people from their rooms to their tests, watching people and families respond to loved ones who had passed away. Man, man, it really broke my heart. And I got to see real life hurt and in people's lives, but I also got to minister to a lot of people. 
I got to pray with a lot of people. A lot of people got saved during that time. And it wasn't at the church. I mean, I was doing youth, but it was in that odd job that God really used me because I chose to maximize that season. And then what was funny is that because I did so well, I got promoted and I got promoted into the physical therapy department at Jersey Shore Medical Center. So I was a physical therapy assistant, physical therapy aide, right? I love that. Also dealing with patients. But here's what's funny. In about five years span, I would say two of those years working in the physical therapy department as an aide, I didn't know that one day God would have me marry a physical therapist. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And all that time when I was working with physical therapy, learning the language and the lingo of the physical therapy, the physical therapist, it was funny because when I had met my wife, she was a physical therapy, and a lot of the conversations that we started was about being a physical therapist. I knew the lingo, and I don't know if she was impressed or not. I think it just kind of made her laugh. But what's funny is that even today, in my late 40s, being married 10 years, I'm still a physical therapy assistant. Come on, somebody. I'm <laughs> helping her in this life. And what I'm saying to you is that in our waiting period and sometimes in the odd things that we're doing, God still has a plan and he still has a future because we have to realize that what you're doing in these now moments of your life is going to determine next. You know, Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 29, right? We all know verse 11. That's the scripture that we put on our refrigerator. It's amazing. But a lot of times I think we don't know the context of what God was saying to his people in Jeremiah 29, 11. And so I want to take a, a deeper look because in Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah, God is speaking to, through Jeremiah to his people. Now here's the context. The people of God were actually in Babylon. They were captive. They were captive. They were, let's say it this way, they were prisoners. And here's why. Because they had disobeyed God. And because they would disobey God, God said, okay, if you want to live your life the way you want to live it, go ahead. And he'll still do that today. God's given us a free choice. He'll let you live the way you want to live. I think some people don't understand that. Not everything is God. Well, this happened. I don't understand why God. Well, listen, can I just tell you that God has given us a free will, free choice, and you can make choices. And then your choices will make you. But the children of Israel found themselves as prisoners and captive in Babylon. And here's what's crazy, right? It was their own disobedience that got them to the place that they were at. They were in a place where they didn't want to be. They weren't in their promised land, right? It was a season that was unpleasant. It was distressing, right? We could say it was a season where they were just captive. But here's what I find so incredible about the grace of God is that in these moments that the children of Israel disobeyed and were captive, God still was wanting to speak to them. And see, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you're in a season that you don't want to be in. Maybe it was because your own choices, or maybe it was because of the choices of others. But despite all that, I want you to know something. God hasn't forgotten about you. He loves you. He's thinking thoughts towards you, and he wants to speak a word into your life. Listen, let the word that God is speaking to you today and speaking to us get 
get inside your heart despite where you're at. See, because they were in captivity. They were prisoners in Babylon, and yet the word of the Lord is coming to them, and it's coming to you today, and I believe it's going to encourage you, right? And so I think a lot of times in life we can get go through seasons. You know, this is a season. It's been six, seven weeks now because of the coronavirus that, man, we're in this season, and it's a season that nobody had want to be in. But let me just say this. Life can be that way at times. In the future, life can be that way. You may find yourself in a season right that you don't want to be in you have hopes you have dreams and it's very frustrating but here's the word of the lord look at what the god said to his people through jeremiah right let's jump up actually to jeremiah 29 5 and verse 5 and again god is speaking to his children in captivity they're prisoners and jeremiah 29 5 he says this this is what i want you to do in captivity i want you to build houses and dwell in them i want you to plant gardens and eat their fruit take wives and begat sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters watch this that you may be increased there and not diminished. This is God's word coming to people who are captive, who are prisoners, and here's what he says, watch. I want you to be building, I want you to be planting, and I want you to be increased. Let me say it this way. God is saying, listen, I want you to be productive right where you are. I don't want you to be passive. Let me remind us again, we get to choose what kind of prisoner that we are going to be. I know I feel like that sometimes, like right now I'm a prisoner in my own home. Listen, but I have decided I'm going to be a prisoner of hope, like Zechariah. Watch this. I am going to be a prisoner of purpose. See, we get to decide what this season is going to be, right? Whether it's going to be a time of just isolation or it could actually be a time of intimacy with God. You get to decide right now, is this season going to be a season where you just feel captive or are you going to allow creativity to flow in your life, right? Is this going to be a season where you're just going to go through it or are you going to grow through it? See, I've determined that I'm going to grow through this season, not just go through this season. Is this going to be a season where you're just imprisoned? Or is this going to be a season that you are actually preparing for what's next? That in your now, you are preparing for what's next. Listen, right here, right now, are you just going to be passive? Or are you going to live on purpose for a purpose? I find this absolutely fascinating that God would say, I want you to build, I want you to sow, I want you to plant, and I want you to increase in your captivity. Build houses, plant gardens, increase in numbers, and get married. And here's why. Verse 29.6, Jeremiah says this. Here's why. So that you can increase and not decrease in captivity. Watch this. Listen to me. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this. God is telling his people, you can increase in a crisis. Woo! That is a word. Man, when I started studying this, I started getting excited because it is possible. If God says it, the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. And if God is saying that you can increase in a crisis, Woo! I want to do that. Now, let me just let me just say that actually goes 
counterculture. It goes counterculture, right? I think about how, how we can frame things in our life, right? People are talking about recession. Are you thinking about recession or are you thinking about revival? Like, I'm thinking about revival. I'm thinking about, man, this could be the greatest awakening that we've ever seen, right? But what kind of prisoner are you? And God's saying right here, right now, he's telling his people, you can increase in crisis. Can I encourage you? Let that get inside you. Let's get rid of the negative thinking. Start thinking of hope. Instead of thinking of decrease, let's start thinking of increase. You know, I was thinking about the children of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt. You know, there's another scripture, Exodus chapter 1 verse 12. It says, the more that the people of God were afflicted by the Egyptians, the more that they were afflicted by them, the more they multiplied and grew and they were in dread of the children of Israel. The Egyptians were actually in dread of the children of Israel. I worked, looked up that word grow in the Hebrew and the word grow means break through. Woo! The more they were afflicted, right? The more that they were hard pressed, the Bible says, the Israelites grew and they multiply because it is possible to increase in crisis. Man, that is so powerful, right? And let me just encourage you. All of us are facing challenging times. Everybody is, right? And we can all find ourselves in life at a place that we don't want to be, right? But God is encouraging us today. And he's saying no matter where you find yourself, right here, right now, you can begin to flourish. Now look at God's perspective though, right? And here's what he wants us doing from now, this moment, Till next, he says, I want you, number one, I want you to be building, building houses to live in. Now, when there's a crisis or challenges, right, it's so easy for us to focus on what we can't control. But here's what God was saying. He said, look, I want you to focus on what you can control and let me, God, focus on what you can't control. And here's the question. What can you build? Now, for them, it was physical houses, right? Obviously, I'm not talking about, hey, go out and build a physical house. But I think that there is some principles in here, right? God is saying what you build is what you are going to live in. Let me say that again, right? God was saying build houses to live in. And the principle is you live in the house you build. And here's what we need to choose. We need to choose to be a builder right now, right here, right? Be a builder, right? Because oftentimes what we don't realize is that the life that we have is actually the life that you build, right? Your life right now is the sum totals of choices that you've made. Listen, the marriage for those of us that are married, the marriage you have is the marriage that you built, right? The family you have, right? Is the Mary, is the, is the family that you build. All right, you ready? The health that you have is the health that you build. Let me say it this way as well. Relationships. Relationships take time. Relationships have to be built. You know, I've learned this because a lot of people don't want to invest in relationships. I mean, maybe it's because you've been hurt. I, I get all that. But I just got to tell you, at some point, you got to get healed and start investing again and start building in people. But here's what I have found. Some of the greatest relationships that I had didn't come because of osmosis by chance, right? By happenstance. Some of the greatest relationships that I've had come because I called them. I texted them. 
I reached out. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I love everybody, and as a pastor, I love everybody. I want to encourage everybody. But in my personal relationships with people, here's what I found. I shy away from people who aren't builders. I shy away from people who are takers all the time and they don't realize if you want a relationship, we're going to have to build it. We're going to have to put some blood, sweat, and tears into this relationship. Come on. And you're fine. Here's what we find. That when God says that he wants you to be a builder, right? Building houses you didn't live in. This is actually the very characteristic of God. God is a builder. Jesus said this. I love this. Jesus said, right? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want to encourage you today. Listen, the gates of hell, this coronavirus, will not prevail against the church. Come on, somebody say a good amen. And here's what I love. When I see this principle of building, watch this. Listen, the Bible doesn't say that the gates of hell aren't going to try to prevail right? They are going to try. It just says that they're not going to prevail. But watch this. Listen to this revelation. This is so important. I love this. It's getting into me. I hope it gets into you. Look, the gates of hell trying to prevail against the church doesn't stop Jesus from building. Listen to that. Jesus keeps building, right? And because he keeps building, the gates of hell don't prevail. God's building the gates of hell are not prevailing. And I just want to encourage you today. I wonder if there's some things that you were building, right, in your life that you stopped building and it looks like other things are starting to prevail against you. Here's, here's the word for today. Keep building. Keep building. Keep sinking your life into building, right? And I think when you talk about building in captivity, this was more than just actually building external things like a house. Listen to this. God knew that they were building houses like externally, but it would actually be building them internally and mentally. See, here's what God was doing to his people. He was getting them and giving them a plan. He had a plan, but he was preparing them for the future that he had. Now, listen, God told them, you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years, Woo, 70 years. Come on, somebody. Six weeks we've been in this. And he told them, you're going to be in this for 70 years, but I want you to start building now. I read some commentaries on this and I thought, well, this is pretty interesting because one commentary, you got to be careful when you read commentaries because a lot of them can be really negative. But one person was saying, well, the reason why God had them building and planting was because he just wanted them to settle in there. Listen, it's going to be 70 years and, you know, just make yourself at home. Yeah. But then you didn't read Jeremiah 29, 6 that says, right? The reason why you're building, the reason why you're planting is so that you can increase in the crisis, not just settle for a crisis. No, right? That you thrive during the crisis. Come on, somebody. That's why he wants you to keep building. But here's what I found. And I want to encourage you today. I have found that you can't build something without it building you. You can't build something without it building you. A shout out to all the homeschool parents today that you are doing homework with your kid and helping building them. But in turn, you're learning fourth grade math again. Hello, right? 
geez, what are they learning? My son's in the fourth grade. He's like doing freaking calculus in the fourth grade. We were still doing crafts in the fourth grade, right? But here's what I have found. Every time that I'm helping building him and doing crafts and doing things with him, you know what? I'm building my relationship with him. It's building me. Every time that I'm helping him with math, guess what? I'm learning new things because you can't build something without it building you. You know, me and my wife are builders. No, not contractors. To be honest with you, I'm a handyman. And this is what I figured out. I'm a handyman. And here's how I'm a handyman. When I'm on a site or somebody's at my home and the guy, the contractor says, hey, hand me the hammer. I hand them the hammer. There you go. I'm a handyman. There you go. I can hand you the tools. But listen, we are a builder in the sense of we are building God's kingdom. Listen, if Jesus said, I will build my church, I want to be building what Jesus is building. You know why? Because when we build what Jesus builds, the gates of hell can't prevail against it. So here's what we did over seven years ago. We decided, we made a choice. We're going to build Passion Life Church, right? We're going to build. And let me just tell you, there were seasons that were tough in the building process. There were seasons that, man, we had built relationships and they turned their back on us and betrayed us. Come on. Can I just give you a good statistics? It comes from Jesus's disciples. Jesus had 12 disciples and there was one Judas. Come on. There's one out of every 12, right? But you know what I love? Jesus didn't stop investing in people, loving people and building people just because he had a Judas. He loved Judas. And let me just tell you this, God, Jesus died on the cross for Judas. It was interesting to me if Judas could have just waited a little while longer, Judas was hanging and hung himself on a tree. But you know what? Jesus was hanging himself on a tree and allowed himself to die on a cross for Judas if he could have just waited. But Jesus loved his Judas. But you know what? There were times in building Passion Life Church that, man, we got backstabbed by people, right? There were things that happened They were outside of our control. But you know what? Here's what we did. We kept building. We kept building. And here's what I've learned, right? In about 20 years of building God's kingdom, while I was building God's kingdom, God was building me. God was building me and my character and my maturity. And I'm not the same person that I was seven years ago or even a year ago because I've decided to be a builder. You know, what's interesting is that these people, God's people in Babylon are building houses that maybe some of them aren't going to live in for the rest of their life, right? They were building externally, but I think this is the principle that God wants us to know. They were building externally, but what God was building in them internally was of far more value. You can't build something without it building you. And so in this season, right now where you're at, what you do now is going to determine what's next, right? And I think we have to be careful because the future can look so far off, right? Even now. So much uncertainty. We don't know what's going to be happening, right? And the future can look so far off. But I I want to remind you, I want to to sober us, give a sobering thought here for a moment. It's been six weeks, almost seven weeks. And where's your life at? What have you built? Who have you built? Six weeks. It's been six weeks, right? And we can't see the future as something way off. 
We have to see the future is starting right now because what we do now determines next. Build houses that you will live in. Just remember, you live in what you build. Here's number two. He says, I want you planting gardens. Listen, God says plant so you can eat the fruit of it in captivity. Watch this as a prisoner. Listen, what you step into next will only be the evidence of what you plant now. Let me say that again. What you step into in the future, what you step into next is only evidence of what you did in this season, what you sowed in this season right now. Now, let me say it this way. Planting has to do with investing. With investing, and I think it's funny because when you use the word investing, automatically people start to think of money, right? Money, money. I'm telling you what, I'm believing maybe even investing money because there are opportunities. You can see problems or you can see opportunities, right? But listen, you may say, I just think about money. You know, preachers all talk about money. I'm not just talking about money. Listen, can I ask you a question? In the last six weeks, who have you invested in relationally? Well, you know, the pastor's going to call my friend. My pastor's going to call. pastor's going to make a difference in our community. I may not even know your friend. But here's what happens is that we can have a wrong perspective, right? And what we realize is, well, you know, Pastor Phil, I've lost my job. And, you know, I'm just here with my family. I get it. But what does it take to pick up the phone and invest in a relationship and call somebody and say, how are you doing? Well, Pastor Phil, why, why would I ask that question? I can't really do anything financially for them. No, but can you pray for them? You know what? Can you ask them how they're doing? Can you encourage them? Can you give them a scripture and say, hey, look, I'm in your corner. I'm believing for you. Even while I'm waiting on a job because I don't have a job, I wanted to call you and encourage you. Guess what? When you encourage others, you will be encouraged. When you replenish other people, God will replenish you. But listen, we choose our harvest by choosing the seed that we sow now. What kind of harvest you want to go? What's holding you back? you got time on your hands. Why don't you invest in some relationships? I so appreciate the people. You know, as a pastor, a lot of people rely on me, and I understand it's one of my responsibilities. But I have some friends that, you know, just despite me being a pastor, calling me up going, hey, man, how are you doing? I want to talk to you. I want You know what they're doing? They're investing. They're planting, right? What are you investing in your family? What are you investing in your marriage? See, here's the challenge. When we don't see future, we can become hopeless. And hopeless people don't build. Hopeless people don't plant. As a matter of fact, what hopeless people do is they just stop. They just, they stop and they don't do anything. And if we're not careful, listen, if we're not careful, you can actually start sowing negative seeds. You can actually start sowing seeds of fear. And here's what's going to happen. You are going to step into your future and it's not going to be a future that you want. I say this all the time at our church. If you don't like your harvest, change your seed. <laughs> Let me say it again. If you don't like what the future looks like or you've come into a, a place, I look at my relationships. I don't like where I'm at. Well, maybe you need to change your seed. Let's not become passive prisoners. Let's become prisoners of hope. Let's become prisoners of purpose. You know, I was thinking of some of the people in the Bible that actually literally found themselves in a literal prison, right? We are not in a literal prison. And I understand that, right, we're in this quarantine. But I think, man, when when you start to be quarantined in your mind, 
oh, no, no, that, that's, no, we need to think the thoughts of God. We need to think that God can do more than we can even think and imagine, right? So I'm not just talking about a mental prison, right? Although some people are in that, and I understand, but I think that these principles can apply. There are people in the Bible that actually found themselves in a literal prison. Like I was thinking about the Apostle Paul, right? Him and Silas were in a literal prison. And here's what they begin to do. Watch this. They begin to invest in their relationship with God. They said, this is not just going to be a time of isolation. This is going to be a time of intimacy with God. And they began to sing, right? And as they began to sing, the prison began to rattle and shake. Listen, and in their prison, God brought freedom because of their praise, because they decided to build their relationship with God. They decided to invest, right, and plant in, in their relationship with God. And the prison began to shake. Watch this. Not only did they get free, but here's what happened, right? The guard that was watching them, he got free. Paul and Silas made a decision. I'm going to invest in this guard. I'm going to build this guard up. He was their enemy, right? And he said, and the guard couldn't leave because under Roman law, if the guard left and the prisoners were found, that guard would be killed. So he had to stay there. So he was going to take out his sword and commit suicide. And Paul and Silas could have said, go for it, man. You do it, man. You're a Roman soldier. We do not like you. That's not what they said. Listen, they, in a moment of their prison, they had a a different perspective and they begin to invest and love people and here's what they did is they begin to talk to this guard and listen in Paul and Silas's worst day prison moment somebody got saved and a whole family got ministered to because actually a whole family came to Jesus Christ in Paul's prison I was thinking about when Paul was in prison at another time. He wrote four books of the Bible. They're called the prison epistles, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. Because here's what he did. He said, this isn't going to be a time where I'm just going to be captive. I'm going to be creative. Give me a pen. I'm not just going to be in isolation. I'm going to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit in this moment, in this prison, to work through me. But listen, can I say this? He was thinking about the churches. He wasn't just thinking about himself. So he picked up a pen and began to build people. He began to invest in people. I think we do a very uh, great disservice to ourselves when we think in terms of investment, just thinking about money. You know, God loves people. Who have you invested in, in the last six weeks? Who have you called and asked if they were doing okay? I think about Joseph, Joseph in the Old Testament. Oh man, I love Joseph. He was thrown in prison actually because they accused him of rape. They accused him, uh, Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of raping her and Potiphar threw him in prison. Now, let me just tell you this. I believe that Potiphar really didn't believe that Joseph was guilty. I'll tell you why. In Egypt, the penalty for adultery was death. So they didn't put Joseph to death, but he put him in prison, right? And some scholars believe that this prison, watch this, was right underneath Pharaoh's palace, right? Right underneath Pharaoh's palace. And Joseph finds himself in a literal prison. But you know what? God's favor was upon him in prison, and he started to run the prison. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be in prison, I want to run that prison. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says that Joseph, in the prison of his life, he was a builder and he was a planter. He was an investor. What do you mean, Pastor Phil? I mean that he would walk by people and he actually walked by two guys. And here's what he said. He said, why do you look so sad? 
See, this is a person who wasn't just thinking about his own welfare, just thinking about his own self. Oh my gosh, I'm in a prison. Oh, this prison sucks. Oh my goodness, life is horrible. No, what he actually did is he decided to be a builder and an investor and a planner. And he walked by and he saw somebody and he said, why do you guys look so sad? I mean, that's pretty obvious though when you think about it. Well, we're in prison. But it turns out that they had a need, right? And so they both had dreams. Now listen to this. I find this incredibly fascinating that Joseph heard their dreams and interpreted dreams. Listen, where did Joseph discover his gift for interpreting dreams? In the prison of his life. In the prison of his life, he discovered the gift that God had put in his life. How? By building others and by planting. And he, right, he interpreted the butler and the baker's dream. Watch this. Are you ready? He didn't know that investing in those two guys would actually catapult him into his future. Maybe not right away. But two years later, one of those guys gets before Pharaoh because Pharaoh has a dream. And he says, hey, I remember this guy, this guy, Joseph. And they clean Joseph up. And then Joseph went from the prison to the palace. Now watch this. I think this is important. Everybody wants to stand in the palace. Everybody wants to stand before Pharaoh. Pharaoh is, was the most powerful man on earth in his palace. Everybody wants to serve Pharaoh, but you never get to serve Pharaoh until you serve the butler and you serve the baker, right? You are not going to get to interpret Pharaoh's dream until you serve somebody under Pharaoh and you serve the butler and the baker's dream. And in the prison of his life, he discovered the gift of God on his life and that brought him before great people. And he ended up supplying for his whole family. Come on, somebody, in the prison of his life. See, when you build others, you also build yourself. When you invest in others, you cannot invest in others without there being a return. What you make happen for other people, God will make happen for you. Let me tell you why this is so important today. Because building and planting are actually expressions of faith actually expressions of faith. My faith, my future. Who are you building today? What are you building in your life today? Who are you investing in? Here's the last one for today. Number three, God says, I want you increasing. God told them, get married. Come on, have some kids. Come on, if your kid's sitting there right now, just cover the ears. I'm about to say something. In other words, right now in captivity, I want you having some good sex. Come on, having some sex with your partner, with your husband, with your wife, right? I'm talking to married people now. Come on, put the kids to bed early. Come on, invest in that woman. Come on, ladies, invest in that man, right? You're home now. Come on, just pretend it's a hotel. Pretend it's your vacation, right? He says, I want you reproducing. I want you living like free people right now, increasing. And watch this in Jeremiah 29, 7, it says, this. God tells the people and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it and for its peace and you will have peace. The NIV says it this way, Jeremiah 29, 7, also speak the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because watch this, if it prospers, so will you prosper. Ooh, but we're in Babylon. 
We hate the Babylonians. We don't want them ruling over us. If you pray for their prosperity and that city prospers, you will prosper too. But you've got to change your mind and you've got to decide what kind of prisoner you'll be. See, praying for the Babylonians is actually investing in something. It's investing in the prayer life. Can I just encourage you? You may be in an odd job that you don't want to be in. Can I just tell you, seek the prosperity of that company. And if you'll seek the prosperity of that company, you will prosper too. Come on, I'm going to say it. Listen, if you're going to a church, you know, I'm kind of in church. We're checking it out. We've been here about a year. And, you know, I just want more things to happen. Well, you know what? Seek the prosperity of that church and you will prosper too. Come on, somebody. Seek the prosperity of your marriage and you will prosper too. Your family will prosper too. But let me just say this in closing. What's interesting about this story is that people who are captive, right? They don't build houses for themselves. They don't plant gardens, right? They don't increase. But here's what God was saying. I have a plan for you. And there's a future and there's a hope. But you've got to begin to express your faith in your now while you wait. So you can step into the next of what God has for you. And if you will begin right now, I can start to increase you right now, right? And if you'll express your faith in building, express your faith in planting, guess what? You don't have to wait for circumstances to change. I can increase you right now in a crisis. And that's actually my plan that you don't decrease, but you increase in crisis by expressing your faith. And it's your faith that's going to access the incredible future that God has for you. And I want to tell you, your faith starts right now. Now faith is. And I'm believing that God's people are going to rise up and increase, not decrease, in crisis. Why, Pastor Phil? Because this is bigger than you. This is about our God. This is about him shining a light in the darkness. Come on, somebody. You bear his name today. And listen, our church, myself, I always ask myself, what can I do? I may not be able to do everything, but I can do something. Who can you build today? What can you build today? Right where you're at. Who can you plant? Who can you invest in right now where you're at? And watch what God will do. From now till next, I'm building, I'm planting, investing, and I'm going to be increasing. Do you receive that today? Come on. We're going to take communion in just a moment, but I want to say a prayer for you. Would you bow your head? Maybe you're listening today. Somebody shared this video with you via Facebook or, or YouTube today, and maybe you don't know God. We're about to take communion here and I really want you to understand what communion is all about. What we're doing is we're taking what Jesus did on the cross and we're making it personal to our lives and I want you to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever right would believe in him again that's faith it's not about your works right our works are just an expression of our faith but if you will believe in him today if you'll repent and say God I want to have a new perspective about you. Forgive me of my sins today. You know what? And you'll have faith. He can come inside your heart and make you new and be with you. And you can begin to increase today right where you're at today. I want to pray. Let's pray. 
Father, in the name of Jesus. Listen, if you've never prayed a prayer, if you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart, let's do that today. I want you to repeat after me. Say this. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. Today I repent. I change my mind. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Jesus, come inside my heart. And today I confess you as my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Father, I just pray for your people today. Lord, today that your word would renew our mind to transformation, Father God. That right now, right where we're at, we will see what's in front of us. Not see what we lack, not be reminded of our loss or what we don't have, but look in our hand right now and say, what can we build? What can we plant right now in the name of Jesus so we can move forward, so we can be a testimony to the world that in the midst of crisis, we increased. Not because of us and not because it was possible with us, but because it was possible with you. You make the impossible possible, but our expression, our action shows our faith in the future that you have. Lord, I pray for people right now, Lord, that are are out of work, and I pray that you would open doors, Father, that even as they invest in people, just like Joseph, who knows what doors that you could open up for them in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you. Lord, I, I pray right now for your people for protection and encouragement in the name of Jesus. Amen. I hope you had a moment to get your communion elements. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you could take communion with us, right? And listen, somebody told me last time we took communion online, they said, I just just sense the presence of the Lord. Can I just tell you, as we're taking communion together, that's actually the word. We are communing with Jesus. And I see it that way. We're supposed to see it that way. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. If you'll take whatever you got, if you got a Ritz cracker, piece of bread, whatever you have. I happen to have one of our communion elements from church, right? If you just take this. Paul was writing about what Jesus said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. And he said this. And when he had given thanks, he had broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, That word remembrance actually means in the Greek, it's a word that means reenactment. In other words, it's almost like if you were you were married and you and your your wife sat down and you opened up your 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 wedding photos and you begin to look through and you begin to see those photos and you in your mind begin to reenact. Man, I remember Harry was my best man. I remember Barry, right, was another groomsman. I remember, oh, look at how pretty you looked in that dress. And what happens? You begin to reenact. This word remember is a reenactment. So when I take this bread, and here's what this bread means: this bread represents represents Jesus's body. And listen, you got to make this personal. It was broken for you. It's broken for you. I love that. So here, he's handing you a broken body. You go, Phil, what am I going to do with a broken body? His body was broken because as you take his broken body and by his stripes, you are healed. And so we do this. And as we do this, let's break it as a reminder that his body is broken and his body was broken for your healing. Now, I want to say one more thing. Hope this encourages you. Jesus called himself the bread of life. The bread of life, right? How did sin come into the world? By Adam eating an apple. 
How does life and healing come to us? By taking and eating of the broken body of Jesus. Come on, just take a moment. And if you have sickness in your body, right? Right now, as you take this, let's believe that every sickness and disease is gone, that his body was broken so our bodies could be healed and well. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, the asthma has to go in Jesus' name. The diabetes has to go in Jesus' name. Cancer has to go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's somebody right now, your, your right knee is hurting. There's been a lot of tension and pulling. And right now, his body was broken for you in the name of Jesus to be healed. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Somebody, you've had incredible, incredible neck pain. It's almost been a stiffness in your neck. And today, God is saying his body was broken by his stripes. You are healed in the name of Jesus. I pray for every person today that is discouraged. Lord, strength comes from your body. We thank you, Lord God, for the strength, Lord, and the healing. And then he said this in verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you do in remembrance of me. Now, let me say this. When we take this, we're not supposed to take this in remembrance of our sin. We're supposed to take it in remembrance of Jesus. So when you take it, think about how good he is, that he shed his blood. And that as you take this, when he died on the cross for you, you and I are forgiven. Come on, there's power in this blood in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. We thank you. We thank you, Lord God. Just take a moment. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for giving yourself to us, your people, your body, your blood. So powerful, so powerful. Wow, he loves us. He loves us so much. Don't ever evaluate God's love by the circumstances in your life. Evaluate God's love by the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're celebrating today. Listen, we love you so much. And uh, I want to thank you today. Before, listen, we go, I want to give you the opportunity to be a builder and build God's house here at Passion Life Church. We're going to move into our giving and giving of our tithes and our offerings. Listen, when you build God's house, you're building what Jesus is building right? And there are some options there on the screen that you can build, help us build and start planting in your finances. You can text PLC Marietta to 77977. So easy. It's as safe as online banking. Just get your smartphone. Also, you can download our app. And our app, you can hear some of the messages that are there. You can actually send us prayer requests. Listen, if you're hurting, send us prayer requests. We do pray. We believe. We're trying to help as many people as we can. And for those of you that are giving, I want you to know that we're buying food for people. Like, we're helping people during the week. And it's because 
of our giving. And listen, you may not be physically taking food to somebody, but your giving is a part of that. And as you refresh others, God is going to refresh you. Let me just say a a quick prayer over our giving today. Um, You can also, a lot of people are asking me, hey, how do I mail in a check? You can do that by going to passionlifechurch.com. On the top, just click giving. And it'll give you all of our giving options. All right, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those today that are decided to be a builder, a planter, an investor in your kingdom, Father God. It's a kingdom that is unshakable. It's a kingdom that does better than any economy in the world. And so, Father God, I pray that as they give today, that you give back to them. Father, that you protect them. Like in Malachi, it says that you rebuke the devourer for their sakes. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the windows of heaven being open and pouring out blessing, Lord, so we can be a blessing. But first, we've got to be blessed. And out of our blessing, we choose to be a blessing. In the name of Jesus. Hey, listen, we love you. I love being here every week. It's actually helped me. Building you, investing in you is building me and has helped me. And listen, we love you so much. We can't wait to see you. I'm hoping soon that we're going to be able to gather. We love you and have a great day. Share the video. Share today's broadcast with somebody. I know it's going to help them. And we love you and have a great day. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.